Welcome to Live the Dream. That name in itself tells you what the program is all about. It's about knowing not only about what you don't want, but finding out how to define and live the life that you do want. Now, here's your host, Karen Dillon, and co-hosts, Marissa Marseille and Tom Pearson. Welcome to Live the Dream. I'm your host today, Jesse Jameson. I'm actually an executive producer here at Voice America, and I'm going to actually introduce you to a very special guest that we're having on the show today. I say special guest because, Karin Dillon, you're actually the host of Live the Dream. Thank you, for, thank you for coming and joining us. How are you, sir? I'm good, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Wonderful to have you here. We're going to be sharing a lot of interesting stuff with the listeners right off the bat, right from day one. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the contractor's coach because, Karen, I've come to find out in talking with you over the last couple months, you're not a contractor. How does someone that's not even a contractor become the contractor's coach? Well, yeah, that's an interesting concept because I get asked that all the time. Um, But the story starts in about 2008. Uh, That's when I really started the business coaching process that I'm part of right now. And if you all remember what happened back in 2008, there was a slight problem with the economy, just a little. Uh, I'm obviously joking. I mean, there was a big problem. And the real estate market tanked. And along with that, of course, the construction market uh, went down. And people who were contractors, uh, a year before that, uh, had tons of work. You know, they would walk down the street and people would chase them, trying to get jobs done. And boom, in 2008, all of a sudden, nobody was calling them anymore. And so this was a group of people that went from being extremely busy to almost having no work. And they did not have the business um, knowledge to handle something like that. So a lot of contractors were in a lot of trouble back then. And uh, I was, uh, as a business coach, helping multiple businesses or multiple types of businesses, not specifically contractors. But uh, contractors heard about me, they they learned that I could help businesses, so they approached me and they said, ask me if I could help them, Um, and I really didn't know because I'd never worked with contractors, and like you mentioned, I'm not a contractor, but I worked with three companies, uh, two generals and a plumber, and uh, we said, well, let's see what happens, and back then they were desperate enough, they would try anything, Um, and they worked with me, and over the course of a year, what we found was all three of those companies doubled in size. And this was 2009-10, if you remember what was going on. Their competitors or their peers, I should say, were going out of business. And And they're doubling. And they're doubling. In fact, the plumber did so well, he started two new companies. So he actually had three companies. And so when we took a look at that, we're like, this is interesting. You know, this is very different from what's going on because everybody was blaming the economy. The economy is so bad, nobody's doing this, on and on. And we were experiencing completely different results. And then what we realize is that we have something very specific, or we have something that is working with this group. And so that's when we decided to focus just on them and um, on contractors. And so that's how I became the contractors coach. Now, over the course of doing that, and it's been over 10 years now, 10, 11 years, uh, obviously we've developed our process to be quite uh, comprehensive. And the results have been pretty consistent. Most of our clients will double the size of their business within 12 to 18 years. And what we realized is that you can do it, whether there's a good economy or a bad economy. It doesn't matter what people on TV say. Was that 12 to 18 months or 12 to 18 years? No, 12 to 18 months. Months, okay, you said years accidentally, so. Oh, I did, uh, okay, yeah. my bad, no. 12 to 18 months, much that. better. 12 to 18 <laughs> years, they'd be like, wow, this is definitely yeah. not get rich quick. <laughs> no, 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 it's not a get rich quick scheme, but it does also doesn't take forever. 
And the whole point of me describing this is that, you know, the, the uh, title of the show, Live the Dream, right? The point is that why does somebody go into business? They go into business for multiple reasons. Either they're working for an, uh, for an employer and they realize they could, or they feel they could do it much better, or they inherit a business from their parents, or they just go out and there's a smaller group that just goes out and buys one because they want to be business owners. But someone does any of those three things, um, essentially uh, be an entrepreneur or a business owner, because they realize that in doing so, they have the chance of building a much better life for themselves and their family than they would ever have either having a job or working for somebody else. Right. Right. That's why somebody starts a, uh, starts a business or, or, or you know, buys one. And in 06, 07, pre-bubble bursting, Karin, uh, they are kind of successfully doing the plan that they have. But then all of a sudden, the bubble bursts, like you said, it has a domino effect because not only does it affect housing, but then it affects construction. And before you know it, it's affecting all aspects. Mm -hmm. So people are technically at this point living the nightmare. <laughs> so <laughs> you go ahead and you, and you decide to jump in and all of a sudden we're talking about living the dream. And that kind of brings us to nowadays where the show is live the dream. And uh, obviously you've been doing this for, for on the plus side of 10 years now. Yes. Um, and it sounds like your plan that you try to establish with businesses, and I assume you look at every business differently because every business is different, but if you're able to help a business double in 12 to 18 months, those sound like some pretty good bona fide results. Yeah, and we say, you know, to a double in 12 to 18 months, but that's a baseline. Uh, many of our clients have done much more. I mean, one of my favorite clients, he started with us. He was at about 800000 in revenue, annual revenue. And he was, you know, just like had been hit with a recession. He basically was so desperate. He was buying groceries through the business. Obviously not a very advisable thing to do. Um, but within, he's been with us for four to five years now. Um, but last year, his annual sales were almost $50 million. He's definitely not buying uh pork, pork chops with his business card anymore. Yes. How many times do you hear stories like that though, Karin? Because sometimes people even hide these financial situations from their, from their families, right? You don't want right. people knowing that you're struggling. Absolutely. You probably hear about these situations a lot through the years, I'd imagine. Yes. You know, what, the surprising thing that I've found out over the last 10 years, 10 to 11 years, is that how few business owners actually do well. You know, it's, that's the surprising part is that, you know, you ask them how they're doing, they'll be, oh yeah, everything's fine. Because a lot of people live in denial of what's actually going on. Okay. And for most people, what's actually going on is that the business has taken over their life, right? They're not really a business owner anymore. They're essentially the hardest working employee in their own company. And nobody starts a business to go to be that. I, I'm sure you've heard that the average first year guy in his own business kind of doubles his work output. So instead of 40 hours a week, it's not uncommon to find out that they're working 70 or 80 hours a week. Right. Right. right Karen? Yeah. And that's it. That's uh, one of the most, I think the biggest misconceptions people have is that in order to be more successful, what you need to do is work harder. That more successful people just work more than others. Yeah. Hard work is required, but that is not what creates success. Right. And so when we talk about living the dream or live the dream, like we say, it's the idea of going back and really under or reminding yourself, why did you start a business in the first place? 
right? That's what we started talking about. And the reason most people started a business was because they wanted to create a better life for themselves, a better life for their family. Essentially, they wanted to have a life which they were happy living. And what makes you happy living life? It's a life where you actually follow your passion or your desire. You have some desire. Everybody has a desire in them, right? Um, but most people don't focus on that because they have no time. So we, you had mentioned something earlier, which is that how often do we see these results? You know, this 800 to 50 million. Yeah, that's one of our more successful clients. But we see results like this on a consistent basis where we, you know, another example is this uh, another uh, contractor, you know, it was a small company, 500,000 in revenue. And last year they uh, were exceeded 6 million. But the key thing is they exceeded 6 million in revenue with a very profitable company, but the company runs itself. In fact, there's, you know, two partners there. One of the partners doesn't even live in California anymore. She moved to Tahoe because she could afford to do it. She could run the company from Tahoe. And that's what she always wanted to do. How important is getting out of town? Because I, uh, <laughs> I notice a lot of times when I'm calling you, you'll tell me that, hey, I'm in Hawaii or I'm in Europe or I'm here and there. I notice that you try to do that. And it seems like whenever you go, you do make sure you take the family and stuff. So Yeah, of course. You know, that, and that's the whole point of this. And that's the conversation we're getting into right now, which is that for most people, um, in order to live the dream, whatever your dream is, and we're going to get into what that is, right, is that you have to have two things in life if you want to feel successful. Number one is you have to obviously have money because we live in a world where money is needed for pretty much everything. Number two is you need time because if you have any one without the other, your life is not that great. Okay, you can have a ton of money, but if you're working 80 hours a week, your life still sucks. I agree because uh, even when I get close to 40 hours a week, I start thinking it sucks. <laughs> right? Well, you know, business owners, usually if you're working 40, I mean, there's always something falling through the cracks here, okay? So what we're talking about is a process that we've developed that allows people to, number one, understand, or not understand because they know, but remind themselves why they started a business, which is to actually lead a life better than a job can provide them. And number two, have a consistent process that they can walk through that will take them to that stage when they actually start to live the dream, the dream they had when they started the business. Okay? And so let's get into that for a bit uh, because that is the process that we call the success cycle. Right? Now, the key word in that, uh, in that phrase obviously is the word success. Right? Because this is a word that is, it has a, it's a loaded word, has lots of meanings. Uh, to different people, and that's the whole point of this um, this show. Essentially, is let's first define success, okay? Because it's a it's a very simple definition. Well, it's, early earlier, not to interrupt you, Karin, forgive me, but I don't consider it successful if you're working eighty to a hundred hours a week. <laughs> because I would imagine if I want to start a business, it's because I'm tired of that nine to five grind. And then, like you said, we start a business and we quickly find that we're our best employee, which means we're probably working even harder than we were before. So I yeah, don't you, quite know what success is, but I definitely know what it isn't, and that's, that's right. not it. Yeah, because, you know, then you start to feel jealous of the people who can just work nine to five. Yes. <laughs> you know, and go home. Um, so, yeah, go back to what we were talking about is so success. You know, it's important to define success. 
Uh, and success is simply this. Success is achieving what you want. That sounds simple. It is, right? Success is just getting what you want. Because if you want something and you get it, that is success. And that really takes, you know, uh, the success cycle that we talked about, and it has six steps, okay? Okay. Um, I'll just walk through quickly the six steps, and then we'll focus on um, maybe one or two, see how much we can get in. So the first, first step in the success cycle is you have to have desire, okay? You have to have a desire of achieving something specific, because that is what starts the whole engine, yeah, and everybody has it, but most people don't uh, pay attention to it. And we'll get back to that. Step two is, once you understand what your desire is, you have to have the energy. You have to have the energy to go after it. And then step three is you have to have clarity. If you're going after something, the clearer you are about what it is, the faster you will get there. Right? And then number four is you have to be able to take action. Because thinking about something and having lots of uh, dreams about it doesn't take you there, of course. You have to take action. And number five is you have to have the skills. Just because you take action doesn't mean you will achieve anything. You could suck at what you're doing. So you have to pay attention. Got to be realistic too. You can't be a basketball player at age 30, right? You got to be a little realistic. and Yes, you have to evaluate your level of skill. You have to be good at what you do because that's what produces results. And then the, the good thing is that when your skills match your desires, you get to step six, which is success. You get what you want. Now the good news is when you get to step six, what happens to your level of desire? Oh, I would think in some cases it tapers off, right? What happens when you hit the mountaintop? Do you, do you, do you yes. die? What happens? <laughs> <laughs> Good question, okay? It all depends on your level of desire. Does that make sense? Some some people, people, okay, take Elon Musk, for example. He strikes me as the type that after he conquers one goal or challenge, he already has another one. Bingo. in mind and would you yes. recommend that a person always have something else to strive right. for i can't recommend anything because this is so personal got you right can you i mean just going back to your example can you tell uh, elon musk to have less desire you look at you like you're an idiot he would do that yeah like you have three heads or something <laughs> definitely yeah it's like what and same way you can't tell someone to have more desire okay this is very personal, and this is, but the point is, this is the starting point. So let's now pay some um, attention to step number one in this whole process. Like I said, that, you know, we work with a lot of our clients, and this is really the starting point, and this desire is probably the most ignored aspect of a person's existence. Okay. Because number one, what, what we found, and I'll just tell you, working with like hundreds of people over time, is we don't value our desires. So in other words, that mom that's always wanted to do this, but she doesn't because, you know, she's got to take the kids to basketball practice and stuff. Would she be a perfect example of somebody that is not validating yeah. their own desires? Yeah, that could be the mom. It could be the dad who feels that he needs to have a nine to five job to have a safe, secure paycheck for his kids tuition. Right. Right. I mean, that's definitely a noble goal as well. 
But at the back of his mind, he may have a desire to be someone completely different. You know, work and go in for a government job from uh, Monday through Friday. That kills his soul, basically. Because he wants to make sandwiches at the deli that he's Something. always, yeah, that he's always yeah. wanted to own. Yeah. I met, you know, almost everybody that you talk to, too, Karin, if you ask them just out of the blue, hey, Joe, you know, if you did have your own business, what would you like to do? Almost, they almost all have an answer to give you, you know, hey, I wouldn't mind, you know, being a cook or having my own restaurant or this, that, and the other. I've had a lot of friends that have gone into the restaurant business, so I always end up finding out that, you know, that was one of the things that they always loved doing with their dad or their mom, you know, they loved cooking. Yes. So now, th- this is an important part, and I just want to spend a couple of minutes on this right now, okay? Which is, when we talk about success, as I said in the beginning, it's a loaded word. And the reason I said that is, when we talk about success, there's a specific image that comes to mind for people, which is, you know, the Donald Trump-style success. Millions of dollars, big buildings, you know, beautiful girls, left and right, or if you're a woman, you know, whatever that version is, having uh, people serving you hand and foot. Um, yachts, planes, you know, vacationing on the beautiful eye. Yeah, that's all great. But does everybody have the same desire? No. Exactly. Definitely not. You know, because the whole point of desire is that when you achieve desire, it actually makes you happy. Because if you want to get all psychoanalytical about it, at the end of the day, what do we want to be? Happy. Happy, right? That's really what we want to be. But in the process, we have to do something to get there. And the vehicle, if you want to call it that, is our desire. So the key and the most important thing I can say about this is this, that the most valuable thing a person can do in their life for themselves is to place a high value on their desire, regardless of what it is. It could be mundane, like you said, I just like making sandwiches, okay? Or it could be, I want to be a billionaire. I mean, if you truly have that desire, then place a value on it that's higher than anything else in your life. Okay? So the first thing, for the, so the first thing we do is we get a very specific desire and then we put a high value on it. Very high value, okay? And so I'm going to wrap up this segment here with this quote from Napoleon Hill who said that the starting point of all achievement is desire. I like it. We will uh, be getting back to this on the other side of the break. Cool. Thanks, Jesse. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change can be a scary thing. It's way too easy to stay inside your comfort zone. But the world is changing, and that's not going to stop. Without adapting yourself to the rest of life is just selling yourself short. Join Sandra Hill every week for Grow Your Voice, Overcome Your Fears. You gain insight with expert guests, experiences, and tools to help you navigate the change and perhaps even welcome it. Listen live on Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You are listening to Live the Dream. To reach the show live today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Karen. That's K-A-R-A-N at thecontractorscoach.com. Now, back to Live the Dream. And welcome back to Live the Dream. I'm here with a host of Live the Dream, Karin Dillon. And Karin, I'm obviously Jesse Jameson. And before we went to break, Karin, we were talking about the six uh, steps in the success cycle. And one of the first ones that you mentioned, or the first one, I should say, is desire. And you said something that kind of opened my eyes that I hadn't really thought of before because I look at my desires like, you know, dust in the wind or dreams, you know, that I come up with every now and then and I lose them. You're telling me that when we figure out what our desires are, we need to protect that like it's gold, so to speak? Yes, and I think even a step before that is that if you're ever going to find out what your desires truly are, you have to treat them like that. And I'm going to take this uh, concept and do a little bit of a, not a tangent, but it's a different level. And the different level is, some people think it's a little woo-woo or whatever it is, but it is what it is, which is, why do you have the desire that you do, right? Why Why do you have this desire and somebody else has a different one? Well, if you want to compare it like that, I would have to say it comes from above, so to speak. We're kind of born with these different things. I remember when I was a little boy, I wanted to catch the football pass, but I don't think the girl down the street had that same desire, right? Yeah, so we all are kind the, of born with different... Uh, that's exactly right, okay? Desire. And that's what I'm taking this, that we as human beings have, I don't know if it's a message, if it's a... I don't know, frequency, whatever it is, we don't exactly know. But what we do know is that as human beings, we all have an innate, inbuilt desire that we have with us at all times. Whether we acknowledge it or not is irrelevant. Does that make sense? It's still there, in other words. still there. Okay? And the people that become the most successful in life simply follow their desires. Because when you do, how much external motivation do you need? Very little, because if you're following your desire, that's all that matters, right? Yes, you have every piece of motivation within you. You don't need to walk on coals. You know, it doesn't hurt to do it. 
Well, it hurts a little. Um, but you don't have other have people. You, have you walked on coals? Yeah, we have. <laughs> That's it, lo it looks like something <laughs> I don't desire to do at all, yeah, but well, I admire yeah. that you did it. Yeah, you don't have to do it, but yeah. Uh, but my point is that, you know, we all have it. And we each have a different desire, okay? I have clients over, like I said, you know, many of, many of them have financial desires. I want three houses. Then there are other clients who have desires that they want to go make money, but then they want to make money and go to Africa and or Mexico and build, you know, whatever their uh, talent is, water treatment plants for people who don't have clean water. Is that a, a two-step desire? And is that different from maybe a one-step desire? Yes. So this is exactly what I'm going with this, which is that a lot of people have this misconception that my desire should be my business. Okay. Okay. That if I want sandwiches, then I should be in the business of making sandwiches. Doesn't have to be that way. It does make, it does make sense though. I could see how they're thinking that. Yes. Fine. If you like making sandwiches and you can make a business making sandwiches, fantastic. Okay. However, let's take our example here. Somebody, you know, we've, uh, we have a lot of guys who are in the very religious. They believe that they should give back and they have this actual desire to go to countries in Africa or Mexico or remote parts and build uh, something to help the local people. You know, many of them actually said, that's my deepest desire. It gives me the most happiness. Now, obviously, you can't build a business doing three things, right? Correct. So the focus is build your business and use that desire as the motivation so that you can grow the business so the business provides you with the money so you can live the dream. You know, you bring up an interesting point. I was always told in high school that the best way to help the homeless is not to become one. To take it a step further, if you're living the dream, you're going to be able to help a lot more people in, as you said, Mexico, where maybe you're helping to develop a, a lesser, you know, second world type country or whatever the case may be. You can't really help people uh, if you're not able to kind of live the dream yourself, right? Absolutely. If you want to help poor people, you have to be rich. Okay? That's true. A poor person cannot help another poor person financially. First of all, they don't even know how to be financially successful themselves. How can they help someone else? Okay? Very good point. And then the second thing you have to realize is that your desire could be completely different than your business. Okay? Can you give me an example? Yeah, just like we said, somebody wants to go build a water treatment plant in Mexico. Right. Okay? You don't have to have a business that builds water treatment plants. Okay? Like we talked about, our clients are, let's say, general contractors. You could use the motivation of the desire that you have, build the business that you are in right now, and then use the proceeds from the business that was fueled by your desire, and then go do what makes you really, really happy. You know, you bring up a really excellent point that's kind of scary. Water treatment. We know that people around the world need access to clean, potable, or drinkable water, right? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be scary if the only people that could do that were water treatment facility workers? <laughs> so you bring up a great point. You know, you actually can do more to help with water uh, treatment as a, as a successful person with a goal and a desire than you can actually learning how to treat water. So you, yeah. bring, up, you bring up some excellent points there. Well, I, I, mean, by, I, by the way, want to be one of those guys that in the future 
you know that saying, you want to leave the planet a better place than, sure. than it was when you came? I, I think we all kind of want that, Karin. We all want to know that we, we do something to help. You're just bringing up the reality that if you're not really being successful, your thoughts shouldn't even necessarily be on helping others. It should be on helping yourself so that you can ultimately get to a point where you can feasibly help others. Yeah, and not to get too religious because I'm not very religious, but I think this is from the Bible, which says that God helps those who help themselves. Yes. Right? I mean, it's pretty basic. And so that is really the step, the first step is like you have to treat the desire that you have. First of all, you have to pay attention, right? Most people actually do not know what they desire. They don't. And the reason is they've never actually sat down and given themselves the space, you know, it requires some silence, some space to yourself to really connect with what you want, what you truly, truly want. Because we are so inundated with everyday life, the busyness of the alarm, go here, go there. Um, of course, social media, you know, now anytime you have a moment that's spare, we just pick up the phone. I mean, I do it. It's not, I'm not pointing fingers. Right. However, you have to create some space in your life where you allow yourself some capacity to actually think. To so you're, think. Not, you're not saying by any means that we don't have desires. We all know that we've been given these inter yes. eternal, internal desires, uh, but sometimes we can get so front-loaded with Facebook and taking the kids to soccer and making sure dinner's ready, blah, 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 that we can literally kind of forget yes. what it is we desire. So you, ad you advocate that Zen moment where we get a piece of paper and pen and just kind of let ourselves free think a little bit? Well, I don't even think you need a piece of paper and pen. I just, need, I just think you need to be able to not think, just be for a second. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Right? Because thinking actually gets in the way. Okay. Okay? Because when you think, you're going to think about things that you have to do, you have to get worried about. It's almost trying to get yourself to look at the space between thoughts. Good luck. I know. I'm, trying, I'm, getting, I'm getting a little esoteric here, but I, I think you understand what I'm saying, right? right. It's, that it's, it's, a, it's a good uh, analogy if you take a look at, uh, let's say, a glass of water, okay? You put some sand or some dirt in it, and then you shake it up, okay? That's how most people's minds are. Everyday life just shakes up the glass, Okay. Yeah. You just got to give it a few minutes. Let it be. Okay. If you let it be, what's going to happen? Your thoughts will settle. It'll settle. Okay. Yeah. And you'll finally be able to get some clarity in your life. Yes. Okay. And that's what I'm talking about. It's not very really difficult, but it takes some practice. Okay. So, all right, I'm going to get off the Buddha zone here. Um, but you, like I said, that's the first thing. It is you have to connect with your desires because you have them and they're given to you. Don't know by who. But it's there, and it is very valuable. You as a person have to start placing the value on them. And, you know, Napoleon Hill, I'm going back to him because he's probably one of the best authors I've read. He says that the people who can develop their desires into, he calls them like white-hot desires, where they become like the defining, um, uh, the defining points of your life achieve success the fastest because nothing else um, is even close to as valuable for them. Okay. So therefore, in order to do that, you have to move to step number two. Okay. Which, step is, number, which is energy. Energy. 
Success requires energy. It's a fundamental principle of life. And it's also the number one reason why people don't succeed in life. They just don't have enough energy. True. Okay. They don't even have enough energy to focus on their desires. Well, you know, a lot of times when I get home from work, I always tell myself I'm going to take that 20 or 30 minute walk because I desire to have a better body, right? right? And then I don't have the energy to do it. So it sounds like you're just giving me the scientific reasoning behind my uh, <laughs> procrastination on that. Well, okay. So now you have to understand where does energy come from? Okay. If we're going to say, okay, success requires energy. Now, where does energy come from? You got me there. Where would energy come from? It comes from the way you think. So thoughts turn into energy? Thoughts are energy. Thoughts are energy. Okay. So okay. to use a broader uh, concept, the, your, the level of energy that you have is a function of your mindset. This sounds like Buddha stuff again. I thought we said we were off. No. All right. So right? we have, right. Because, okay, let me give you a practical example just, just uh, to make this point here, okay? So let's say you've got two people sitting next to each other, you know, at work or whatever. One okay. guy, just to cl use classic examples, one guy is very positive. He thinks things are going to go well. His life is good. You know, the future is going to be better. And the other guy is, you know, the opposite, which is like, oh, man, life sucks. So uh, classic optimist versus pessimist. Yeah, you know, just right? to make some, use some classic examples, right? But they're both correct, aren't they? Well, it depends. <laughs> yeah, you're right. To your point, yes, they're both correct. Uh, but going back to what we're talking about here, who's going to have more energy? The positive guy or the depressed guy? I would think the positive guy 99.9 .9 times out of 100. Well, probably be 100 out of 100. Why? Because simply, it doesn't matter how many hours you work. Um, the depressed guy could barely work during the day. Okay? <laughs> That's true. He would still have no energy. Right. Yeah. The positive guy, you know, you could, you know, people work 16 hours a day and they're as excited at the end of the day as they were in the beginning. Okay. Why? Because their thoughts are different. Their mindset is different. So one of the most important things to understand about energy is that it is created by you. I have a, I have a segue on this or not a segue because I don't want to leave this point. But I've talked to you about this before, Karin, that I, it's not unusual for me to get on a YouTube video binge. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that I like to listen to are tips on successful people versus unsuccessful people. And then you can kind of take what you want from it. Right. And one of the tips that I had learned was that successful people tend to wake up and tackle the day a couple hours earlier than most. And so I started adjusting my sleep patterns. And instead of going to bed at midnight car, and I started going to bed more at like 8.39, you know, a, a much earlier hour. Right. Started waking up at four, but being totally refreshed and energetic. And then guess what? When I get to work at eight or nine, I tend to be that optimistic, positive person that you described. Yeah, you know, you are making a good point, which is one of the most important things for energy is sleep. Okay. <laughs> you can't have energy if you're physically just have too, uh, you know, don't have enough sleep. Okay? That's just a basic requirement. And other than that, let's assume you're able to guess, you know, I think we were joking about this maybe a week ago or something, which is that nothing good really happens after like nine or 10 o'clock at night. That's very true. I firmly <laughs> believe that. I always have. Only bad things happen after that. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> is that an agreement? Not that we're going to get on agreements just right. yet, but that would be in an agreement there, wouldn't it? Well, I, think, I think it's an observation. Mm-hmm. Right? If you look at the real world, nobody says, you know, midnight was fantastic because I was drunk, came out of a bar. And we got a lot of good stuff done at midnight. No, it's usually, oh my God, do you remember that thing we did at midnight yeah. that one time? Yes, yes, yeah, things you never want other people to hear about. Correct. So that's the point. You know, so you're making a, a basic uh, observation, which is that, yes, sleep is important. But so let's assume you give yourself enough sleep. You know, obviously exercise is important. That adds more energy. Those are some fundamental things, okay? But going back to those, let's assume those exist. The number one thing that determines um, the amount of energy a person has in their life is the thoughts that they have. Okay. And the thoughts are come from the mindset that they have. And here's the important part to understand. We can all control our thoughts. That is what separates us from animals. Yes, I agree. Okay. So maybe we'll uh, pick that up on the other side here. And hey, before we go to the other side, since we have a couple seconds here, can we supercharge our thoughts with, with some of these techniques that you're saying? Absolutely. Can a person get super energy if they stay super positive, so to speak? Well, positive is not essentially what we're talking about here, but your, your premise is right. If you are able to focus your thoughts, you can create as much energy as you want. I'm excited. We'll talk about this on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Some encounters are mysterious, connecting us with something larger or with feelings of joy and wonder. Tune in to experiences and creative melodies that move the soul with host Danielle Burns for Gifts of Inner Wisdom. You'll hear real stories, interviews, and songs of the archetypal sacred from a deep healing perspective. Enjoy soothing harmonies of love, psyche, and soul every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Get ready for High Vibin' It with hosts Lindsay Robinson and Kelsey Aida. This is an all-new look at self-empowerment and lifestyle design. If you're still trying to figure out the law of attraction, spirituality, self-love, and more, we'll break it down for you. You can create the life of your dreams and own your power. Listen for High Vibin' It. We're live every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. This will be one hour you will make time for. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time at 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Live the Dream. To reach the show live today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. 
That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Karen. That's K-A-R-A-N at thecontractorscoach.com. Now, back to Live the Dream. And welcome back to Live the Dream. I'm here with Karen Dillon, the Contractors Coach, and of course I am Jesse Jamison. We want to uh, welcome the listeners back. Karen, before we went to break, we were talking about how success requires energy, energy being the uh, second step in the cycle that we're talking about here. Go ahead and, and give us a little bit more. And you were also mentioning about how our thoughts differentiate, uh, differentiate us from the animals. I, I was hoping you could maybe retouch on that as well. Yeah, you know, we're, we're talking about the different steps in the success cycle, which you can you know, use repeatedly to create success in your life, which is give you what you want, right? And essentially, that's what creates happiness in our life. And as part of that, we're talking about, you know, you have to have a big emphasis on your desire so you get clear about what it is and use that as your motivation. And in order to pursue it, you need energy. And the number one reason why people fail is they don't have energy because the principle is that success requires energy. And if you're going to go after large desires, you're going to need large amounts of energy. So that means I need to get ready to go to the gym and do a bunch of push-ups and sit-ups, or are we talking about a different way to get the energy? Well, you know, all helps. You have to have a good night's sleep, get some exercise. However, the largest factor that determines how much energy you have in life is your mindset. Okay. And your mindset essentially is made up of your thoughts. I mean, we talked about previously the classic example of a guy who thinks positive versus a guy who thinks negative. Obviously, the conclusion is the guy with positive thoughts will have more energy and more, and that's actually accurate, right? And what I was talking about here was that if you look at human beings, right? Now, you, you sometimes say that I get all uh, Buddha and esoteric, but sometimes you just have to take a look at those principles, which is if you look at the planet we live on and this, all the species on this planet, we as human beings are very, very different, right? We are the only ones that have the ability to control our thoughts. Okay. Almost every other animal operates on instinct, right? If you look at a dog, basically a dog only, op- yeah, they can understand you, they can love you, they have emotions, you know. However, a dog cannot decide to change its life. Very true. Okay, a horse can decide to change its life. You know, a whale can decide to change its life. They essentially operate on pre-programmed instinct. And that is where human beings are very different. We're designed very differently. Okay? One of the most important things that's different, or I should say the fundamental thing that's different about us from every living thing that we know of, is that we have the ability to control what or how we think. Okay. Most people, I mean, people may not exercise that ability, but that doesn't mean we don't have it. We've all met a negative Nancy at work, right? Yes. And we've, we've all met people that we just think are great, charismatic people on the other end of the, you know, there's a negative Nancy on one side, there's a really creative Carl on this side. <laughs> um, I'd imagine creative Carl kind of makes a decision that he's going to make the decisions that he does before. And I'd imagine negative Nancy kind of is in her world as well. But the, there's definitely the two that exist and there's a myriad of different personalities that we can take on. So, and so let me get into that a little bit more because you raised a few more points than maybe you realize you did, which is how did negative Nancy, if you want to use that expression, become negative Nancy? Was she born like that? 
how did Carl become, what did you call him? Creative Carl? Creative, creative Carl. Okay. <laughs> or Happy Harry, whatever word you Right. <laughs> okay. The question is, were they born like that? Well, we're definitely born with certain tendencies, certain instincts. However, as we grow up, as we go through life, there are certain, um, what can you say, influences that happen to us, right? Well, who's the biggest influence on us when we're little kids? Babies. Our, our parents. Our parents, okay? So how our parents think, how our parents behave, affects us significantly. So negative Nancy's mom or dad might have been a negative Nelly, so to speak, and she might okay. have kind of learned some of those negative, pessimistic ways. Yes. Okay, which is that along the way, we pick up ideas from other people. And the thing is, we were not born with these ideas. These ideas may not, are def, may not even be ours. Yet, at some point in our lives, we agreed with them. Does that make sense? And that leads us to agreements. You know, you yeah. and I were talking before that, you know, when you think of two people making an agreement, you know, we like to think that agreement is kind of a positive someplace where we come together in the middle and we agree. What you're talking about is very, very different. We're not born yes. with these tendencies, but somewhere along the lines, we're picking them up and subconsciously we are making little agreements can you tell us a little bit more about these little agreements that we've already made that we might not even be aware of? Yes. And this is probably one of the most important aspects about mindset. And the important aspect can be stated in the principle. And the principle is this, that reality is created. Okay. Reality is created. is created. So just to define the word reality, okay, I'm not trying to get all woo-woo or you know, uh, some weird definitions. Reality is simply what is, what exists. Okay? If you look at your reality, you're, living, you're sitting in your room, you earn a certain amount of money. At the end of the day, there's a certain amount of money left in your bank account. You, know, you have a certain type of relationship. Your body looks a certain way. You're right. a certain age, blah, blah, blah. You get, you get what I'm saying. Okay? That is reality. So going back to what I was saying is that reality is created, but it is created by agreements. Okay. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Okay. So in order to understand that, you know, you started off this topic a little bit, which is you have to understand what an agreement is. Okay. So going back to the positive guy and the negative guy we were talking about earlier. So let's say, you know, there's two positive guys sitting down. Let's say they're business owners. We're talking business here, right? And they're talking to each other and saying, hey, this is great. You know, the economy is doing fantastic. We've got great skills. Um, we're going to really work hard. We're going to go out there and kill it. And there's two other guys talking about it. It's like, oh, man, you know, this is freaking horrible. The taxes are so high. Uh, you know, the competition is so much out there, blah, blah, blah. You know, you get the two different mindsets. Right. So if you take a look at these two, uh, let's say two people here and two people here, whose reality is going to be more positive, more have more success in it? The two positive guys or the two negative guys? Definitely the two positive. Right. The two negative guys are worried about the taxes that they're going to be paying on the money they're about to make, so they can't be thinking in the right <laughs> mindset. They don't even know? want to make money because they might have to pay taxes. I know. What a crazy, <laughs> crazy yeah. thing. So the point I'm making is that do you think that these guys probably less they do exactly the same thing, right? they will have two completely different realities. 
chances are pretty yeah. pretty high that their their realities will be very very different okay in terms of the money that they have the type of business they have the relationships they have on and on and on and it's because they have this little agreement with each other however the most important thing you have to realize the most important agreements that we have in our lives are with who ourselves that's right and the important thing to understand is that most of the time we are not even aware of these agreements why because most of these agreements are not even ours they were implanted in us it's something that we picked up just like negative nancy from that illustration we gave earlier that's what i'm going to i'm going to throw one out there that i think's been holding me back for at least portions of my life you've helped me realize this one of the things that i grew up with was the thought that money is the root of all evil. <laughs> That's right. And I bet subconsciously it's holding a lot of us down because in our subconscious we're equating money to evil, which, you know, like you said earlier, you're going to be able to help a lot more poor people if you're successful when it comes to the game of money, right? That's right. Is, is the uh, root of all evil one of those agreements that a lot of people that you uh, help kind of subconsciously deal with? You think, Jesse? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> definitely. Of course, the thing is, look, do you want to be an evil person? No. Good. So then if you think that the money is the root of all evil. You don't even want to associate with money. So all of a sudden you're putting yourself in a spot that subconsciously can't be very optimal. That's for right. Persons. You will do everything in your power to make sure that you don't make money. Tell me there's a way that I can either eliminate this previous agreement or maybe come up with a new agreement that we can lay over. Yeah, of course that, that is. That's why we're talking about it. <laughs> Thank God. Okay, good. Right? Because otherwise, then there's no hope. Then you would just be like an animal, like the polar bear behind you. So we know that out of all the people listening at home, I'm not the only one that grew up thinking money was the root of all evil, right? right. So, this, well, is, so this, is, this is something that everyone at home should definitely be keying in on and, and listening to. Yeah, and I think the problem with just, you know, just to get more specific about this one thing, because this is common, the real uh, phrase, and I think, again, it comes from the Bible or somewhere, I'm not sure, is that the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay, not the love money. of money. Okay, money is just a thing. It's an object like a rock. Okay, we just use it to exchange for other things. Okay, so it's not money. Money is neutral. It has no positive and no negative um, because it's an inanimate object. However, the phrase is that the love of money is the root of all evil. And that actually has some truth to it because if you're obsessed with making money, essentially having piles and piles of cash just for yourself and you don't want to have anybody have any, because then you have a, what's called a zero sum concept that if someone else has money, then I have less. Therefore I must take money from them. So I have more and they have less. Okay. That is definitely a negative mindset and creates a very selfish, evil personality. Okay? Yeah. You hope, you hope to God, you never have a boss that, that, that has that mindset, right? Because that doesn't sound like somebody that's going to be very giving at the Christmas, uh, party <laughs> yeah, that many, unfortunately there are many many people like that right because that comes from a deep sense of insecurity okay and we're talking mindsets right that comes from a mindset of scarcity that there isn't enough therefore I must take and grab as much as I can um, so I can have enough I can't care about other people because they need to take about care about themselves why should I bother yes okay? 
So oh. if, a, if a person goes from rags to riches, do they sometimes harbor those thoughts you're saying? They don't want to ever go back to not having enough, so they might take it a little overboard? Well, the thing is, you can go from rags to riches with a mindset of scarcity or a mindset of abundance. I think we all would both agree abundance would be the better route. Yeah, because there are many people who are very successful and very wealthy, and they're very nice and they're very generous. Okay? So money doesn't make you good or bad. It's just, an, it's just a thing. Okay? What makes you good or bad is your mindset, how you think about money. Okay? Because in some sense, money represents uh, the output of energy. If you have a lot of energy, because it takes a lot of energy to, to build the systems, build the business, create the mindset that will create the output, which is money, right? In business, the output is money. Right. Um, you know, you have a service, but at the end of the service, you, what you're left with is money. Um, so that requires a lot of energy. Now that energy can come from either side. It can come from a mindset of scarcity, which is very, very fear-driven. You're, you're constantly afraid that something bad is going to happen. So you're like working like a dog trying to make sure that you know, you, whatever anxiety you have doesn't come through. And we can't, have, we can't have that with live the dream. We're talking about something where we need to kind of start finding ways to eliminate those fears. That's Yeah, I mean, think about it. You can be successful with a mindset of scarcity. Okay, there's no question because fear is a very big motivator. Right. Of course, right? However, what, what's the quality of life? I don't think it would be very high quality at no, all. It's terrible because you're always afraid that something bad is going to happen. So you're working like a dog, you know, scurrying around trying to make some money. Waiting for that next thing to, to go wrong. And many yeah. people do this, but they, right. have, they have lots of health problems. The relationships suck. The life is not that great. It's almost they miss the whole point of it, right? Then there are other people who have a mindset of abundance. There's plenty to go around. I should do well for myself. But in turn, I also help people as and, as and when I can, right? And there, if you have that mindset, what, what's going to be the quality of your life? A lot better, Right. I would imagine, you know, whenever I've had a spot where I can help anybody in life, I, that, that's one of those things that makes you feel good. As you get older, you know, as well as I do, it, a lot of times it feels better to give rather than receive. Yeah. And, you know, and the point I'm making is that both these people operate from different mindsets because they both have different agreements. Yes, both they must. People, yes. Both people at some point in time agreed with something with themselves no one else one person uh, agreed that they that the world is a horrible place nobody cares about them and there isn't enough so i must grab everything i can for myself to help without anyone else scarcity else, yeah yep. scarcity yeah and the second person at some point agreed you know maybe because uh, the people he was surrounded with something he just decided on his own that hey look you know there's plenty to go around I can do well for myself, and I can also help other people. Gosh, Karin, you just scared me to death. If we have a negative Nancy that's a friend of ours, could they be literally rubbing off on us? Absolutely. Gosh, so we really are the company we keep, huh? So, so Napoleon it, Hill said that take a look at the six people that you spend the most time with. You are looking at your future. Oh, my goodness. You might be looking at your past as well, it looks like. Huh? <laughs> you know, these, right. these, these, these things are eye-opening, but the reality is I used to have this friend, and I'll, I'll leave his name off, um, off the air, obviously, but he was that type of guy that you could literally get four or five negative statements 
out of him over the course of five minutes. I mean, just some people are like that. You Real. should listen to what people say because you will understand their agreements very quickly. And once you know their agreements, it's almost like you can kind of predict what they're thinking on a lot of different uh, subjects. Yes. So what we're out we, of time here, but what we're going to do is go ahead and finish your thought. I was just going to say, we got to let the people know that next week we're not done with this, are we? No, we're going to show you next week on how to identify agreements and how to change them so that they're actually taking you in the direction of your desires instead of holding you back. Amen. I think that came from the Bible too. Karin, thank <laughs> you for having me on. Thank you for being on. And uh, to all the people at home, thank you for listening and definitely tune in next week. Thank you for tuning in to Live the Dream. Please join Karin Dillon along with Tom Pearson and Marissa Marseille for another program next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have a dream living week.